welcome back to Talking Rugby Week 9. Still no rugby, but tea going on over in New Zealand. Matt, how are you enjoying this lovely weather? Yeah, it's uh, not not rugby weather, that's for sure, but it, it's nice to get a bit of sunshine and watch some rugby on TV in the in the meantime. It's really interesting you say it's, it's not rugby weather. We sort of always have calls for summer rugby, and I cannot imagine people running around in this heat right now. Yeah, I was talking to uh, talking to to someone earlier this week, and it was due to be the Premiership final. I think last weekend, mm. so it could have been quite easily have been this sort of temperatures during during the Premiership Premiership final, uh, even if it is in future years. So uh, yeah, hot, think... hot, hot. But last weekend we had another positive weekend of rugby. One game was better than the other, but there were two away wins. And again, full crowds enjoying themselves over in New Zealand. It was fantastic to see. Now, let's start off on Saturday. Chiefs versus the Blues. Blues won 24-12. I mean, Bowden Barrett's drop goal, maybe the turning point there, because Chiefs really didn't come back into it after that, did they? Yeah, it was quite tight up until then. I think uh, it could have gone either way, but that, that drop goal kind of... Uh, push Blues ahead, and then they they backed it up with a power play. I think it was from might have been from a scrum on the halfway line, and um, they they quickly scored in the corner. They did, and it was a fantastic score. And it's the Blues' first win in Hamilton since two thousand eleven. That's a seriously long time. I mean, yeah, that's the, that's the record. And you, you look at when it was a close game. I think it there was like a point in it at various stages, and I thought maybe. Because they haven't won for so long at that uh, in, in Hamilton, I thought maybe they might um, might lose it, but no, they uh, they they clung on, hung on. They, they did. They carried on. And let's go to the game on Sunday: Hurricanes versus Crusaders. Crusaders winning that thirty nine twenty five. Crusaders really burst out the blocks. Um, they scored after fifty six seconds. This is what we're used to with Super Rugby, isn't it? <laughs> yes, uh, certainly with the Crusaders as well. It definitely, definitely. And the Hurricanes started to put things together in the second half. It got back to 25 all, but the Crusaders really had that extra gear in them. And they seemed to have an answer for everything that the Hurricanes did, and they did it one bit better. Yeah, it seemed to be um, a typical like performance you'd see from the All Blacks, actually. like uh, they, they did enough to get ahead. And then the other team came back a little bit, but they still had plenty of gears left to go through. And uh, in the end, it was probably the line-out mistakes that cost the Hurricanes. Indeed. And after those two games, what does this all mean? Well, we're reaching the pivotal point in the competition at the moment. We know it's a short competition. And if Chiefs lose this weekend, they're away to Crusaders. It's pretty much game over for them. And sort of the same to Hurricanes next week. And Blues and Crusaders, well, they're the favourites this weekend. They take the lead at the top of the table. Blues leading it, Crusaders behind them. Highlanders in third, Chiefs fourth and Hurricanes fifth. But there's still a lot to play for. It's not over by a long way yet. Yeah, I mean, you know, lots of different things can happen between uh, now and the end of the the, uh, competition. But... um, you know, you could get uh, the Blues and Crusaders could actually quite pull away this weekend, and uh, you'd think it's between those two teams a lot can happen. But I did have a quick flick through the fixtures, and uh, Blues versus Crusaders, the return fixture is the final week of the season, so 
uh, it could go down to the last week, which would be quite exciting. That would be very, very exciting. And Blues versus Highlanders and then Crusaders Chiefs this weekend. And Blues have made just one change in the 23. Premiership Rugby, you'll know about Joe Marchant. Now he comes onto the bench for his final. Now it seems very weird because it's his final game before he returns back to Harlequins. But the poor chap hasn't really played much rugby. No, um, he's been quite quiet, hasn't he? He has, he has. But I'm sure he's learnt a lot in training and the environment that he's been in. So Blues have a bye weekend next weekend. So they can really go full throttle and really push to get a, a really good win in Eden Park. Yeah, I mean, these bye weekends are going to be quite key, I think, to certain teams where they are. I mean, it could stop a, a uh, losing streak or it could even... Uh, provide like a rest week so you can go fully charged either weekend and if you've got big games like the Blues have either side of the bye then it uh, could really probably benefit you I suppose. Definitely and let's look at the Crusaders Chiefs game they've got Crusaders have an unchanged lineup. As you'd expect. As yeah exactly as you would expect they've been absolutely outstanding. Chiefs, so they've made five changes in their starting lineup most of them are forwards what do you really make of that? Yeah, I think well, we've already kind of alluded to the fact that the Chiefs could get cut off a little bit in terms of league position. So I think they've got to get this weekend right. I mean, even against the Crusaders, you know, they've got to get a bonus point at the very, very least to even probably stand a chance later in the competition. And um, obviously Gatland is uh, probably still experimenting. Okay, he had a run of Super Rugby games um, beforehand. But uh, yeah, he's got to get this one right. He does indeed. He has to. But unfortunately, we don't have any rugby over here. So let's park the fabulous things that are going on in New Zealand. And let's sort of tidy up our premiership, if you like. We're not jealous. No, no, no. Of course we're not. Um, But let's start with Gloucester because this morning they had quite some big news. Um, Franco Moster, Tom Marshall and Franco Murray are leaving the club for Japan. Um. That's quite big, especially the fact that Marshall signed a contract back in February, which extended his time with the Cherry and Whites. So they are shifting around because Johnny May, he hasn't even played a game yet and he has signed a long-term deal with the club. So I think that there's really a sense that they are clearing out the players that they potentially don't want and they're really trying to hold on to the players that they do want. They've you know, secured quite a few deals with some young guys coming through as well. Alex Craig has just signed a long-term deal. But looking at who is replacing Johan Ackerman, George Skirlington is rumoured to be his replacement. He retired in 2016. He was an assistant coach for Ealing in 2014. He's still contracted as an assistant coach at London Irish. He played for Wasps, of course, Leicester and Irish. Um, and I, he could fit quite well, I think, Matt. What do you think? It's not a name that I would have probably mentioned in the podcast that we uh, had when Ackerman first got uh, mm. left. But um, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because it's not, uh, it's not a big name that we probably all um, anticipated at Gloucester. But it's a risk. Yeah, I think it's a risk. Um, but you've got to take those. Probably experience is slightly overrated in terms of coaching. Um, there's a lot of young coaches in the Premiership at the minute and it looks like we're going to get another one. 
it's fantastic to see young coaches coming through and really trying to put a mark on it. I mean, like you say, we never would have mentioned George's name when all of this came out about Gloucester, but Gloucester see something in him that they like. And if they can really work well, the players that they've got and the coaches that they will still have, who knows what could happen. They could have another bad year or they could have a really good year, depending on on how the club works, I think. Yeah, and, and with those long-term contracts that you mentioned, you'd I kind of think that Gloucester have already sorted out this head coach scenario because you know, tying down players for that length of time would probably... You know, it wouldn't look good for somebody coming in and that wants to change, make changes, or um, or the other way around, <laughs> determine players that they want to keep themselves. Um, yeah, I, I guess they've got it sorted and they want to move on and quickly get back to rugby. Indeed, they do. And another club that wants to get back to rugby. And Matt, you aren't going to like the news that has been rumoured in the rugby paper this week that Talisa Veanu and Thomas Lanavini are both rumoured to be leaving Tigers. What do you make of that? I wouldn't be surprised to see Vianu leave. Um, if the club have got to reduce some wage bills, um, obviously Vianu is a star player. He can, We know what he can do, but he's had a lot of injuries, in particular concussions. I'm kind of wondering whether he is close to having one, one more concussion and having a serious amount of time off. Um, you know, maybe the club are looking at that and thinking we could get better value for money in terms of injury. I suppose it's quite a negative way to look at it. But there's also the thing that maybe Toulouse doesn't agree with the potential pay cuts that are going on. Uh, either way, Leicester need to um, sort out a, a replacement for Vianney because there's certainly nobody in his uh, well in his bracket in his position. So. Uh, yeah, they need to do something about that if he if he does leave. They do indeed, and they have signed some magic. Now this is <laughs> I thought it was quite good if you know what's coming. Mr. Harry Potter is get your puns in now. I've got the red. We're all good. Um, he's versatile. He has the ability to be a very good squad player. Never um, really got international caps, but he has had some injury trouble. Matt, I know you've spoken about him to me in the past. What are your thoughts on Mr. Harry Potter? Um, I hope he's a magician. <laughs> <laughs> you need some magic at Tigers. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's going to um, take the two wingers shirts uh, straight away at least. Um, I think he'd be a, a squad player, like like you said. But um, the interesting thing is his versatility. You know, he can play across the back line, maybe apart from fly half I'm not sure about that but um, that's just key I think with the cap as I mentioned the salary caps coming down um, clubs need to save money as it is and to have a player that can play multiple positions I think is the way forward for everybody really even potentially forwards in the future I think um, second rows will have to play back row in the future just because of it. That, that's the way the game's going it is. It's moving very quickly. And talking about moving, Sale Sharks have announced a new stadium there. Moving back home, all players are also reduced on their contracts. And in a statement that they said they are delighted to announce that the club has reached an agreement with every single player regarding amended terms to their contract to facilitate this and that our squad will remain together 
for the next three or four years. Sale, we spoke about them on the podcast before, but they are showing an incredible amount of unity at the moment. They have really got the backing of their fans um, with this new move back home. And then all the players are on board of taking pay cuts. We know that this hasn't been the norm across rugby. Players have been slightly upset, but Sale have dealt with this fantastically. It certainly seems like it from the outside. I mean, maybe you'd probably have to look at the salary cap rules if if the players can get a... I think there's something like a 25% of the the wage bill doesn't count towards the cap or uh, something in the third year. I'll have to uh, check that out. But um, maybe they've exploited that a little bit and that's why they can say they've got these players for the next three or four years. Uh, obviously, that comes with um, negative effects because they can't change that squad if they've tied most of it down for three or four years. I mean, I know they've got a lot of young players in there and, uh, as we're seeing, a pretty good squad. They could probably take that risk more than teams like Leicester and Wasps who are going through changes in their coaching team. But, um, yeah, I guess we'll see how it goes. You know, a, a lot of teams are doing what's best for them at the minute and perhaps this is really is what's best for sale. Well, if it's best for them, it seems to be working, definitely. But let's look at a competition that we really haven't spoken about in a long, long time, the European Cup. Now, the knockout dates have been announced. The quarterfinals are set to be played on the 18th, 19th and 20th of September. Semi-finals on the 25th, 6th and 7th. And then the final to be played of the Challenge Cup on the 16th of October and the Champions Cup on the 17th of October. Now, this is all dependent that things go well. However, the statement says that they are still trying to get in on Marseille still. But France said that there's no competitive sport until September. So I suppose it's sort of we're waiting to see. Gives us something to work towards, uh, for sure. A bit like the Premiership restart date in August. Um, yeah, I, I guess it's still dependent on many, many things. And it, it's good to to have give the club something to plan for. I guess that's kind of the only reason uh, they've announced these dates at the minute, just to have a little target to, to try and meet. Definitely. It's something for players to look forward to in training and and really try and get and we will see whether that will go ahead of course it all depends on circumstances we can't control at the moment <laughs> i hope it does because there's they're always good games those quarterfinals they are they're really good i love knockout rugby i think it's fantastic i'm you know any semi-final quarterfinal final it's just brilliant it's you know <laughs> everyone throws everything at it and you never leave anything on the pitch and i think that's how rugby should be and it certainly is with those games Good memories. Hope they're not too far away again. Hopefully not. Now, let's talk about a club that have had such good memories, um, <laughs> not in recent future, in recent past, but hopefully in the future again. Now, Matt and I have been looking at the Premiership 12 plus one, and this week we have moved on to Wasps. Now, dear old Wasps, they were fantastic back in the day. We look at Wasps and Tigers and they are the days that Premiership Rugby was in its prime in the, <laughs> the early 2000s. Um, but since then, Wasps have struggled. This season, they lost their director of rugby, Di Youngs, after nine years with the club. It was huge for them. Um, he will go down as one of the greatest coaches in Wasps history. 
but then all good things must come to the end. And he had 13 wins from his last 46 matches in all competitions. Yeah. Uh, His last game, though, was against Worcester and they won 30-26. But that stat on its own, you know, 13 out of 46, it's not good for them. And as much as it was sad to see him go, it was his time. Yeah, that's... I can't try to get myself over that stat. That's uh, I didn't realise it was that uh, that big. Wow, well, that's... Yeah. I suppose, like you say, all good things come to an end. And Dai Young has done really... Done a lot for Wasps, I think. Wasn't he paying for tackle bags and things out of his own yeah. money when they were at Adams Park? Um, yeah. It's going to be a new era for Wasps, that's for sure. He definitely put his heart and soul into the club. And I think that's what really made it work. Yeah. It's but, what you can ask for, isn't it? From exactly. You, you put everything in. Unfortunately, though, things that you get back out haven't been going their way. Let's just look at some of Wasp's recent big levers. Now, this is, isn't in the season. This is sort of over a few seasons. But here we go. Charles Piertel, George Smith, Alex Zolowski, Curtly Bill, Danny Cipriani, James Haskell, Christian Wade, Nathan Hughes, Will Stewart, Elliot Daly, Willie LaRue, Joe Simpson. Now that's just some, that isn't by a long stretch all the names that have left them, but they're sort of the standout players that you think, my goodness, that was how good Wasps once were. Oh yeah, I'm just uh, wondering what sort of wage that would be cumulatively. I mean, you know, there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of star players there, a lot of quality and... Um, I think when Wasps, a few years ago, maybe 2015, 16, when they were really firing, um, they had a back line. And even if you didn't really follow rugby, you'd kind of know all the names in that back line. It was an astonishing back line. And, um, yeah, that's what Wasps are known for, really, aren't it? They are known for this fantastic, fast, expansive attacking rugby, and they, they just they haven't had that in recent seasons. Mm-hmm. And I sort of read out that list and you look at the players that have left and a lot of them came through the club as youngsters and really made their mark on the big stage. You know, Danny Cipriani, Joe Simpson was at the club pretty much his entire playing career before he left. Elliot Daly had been at the club a long time. Nathan Hughes had Christian Wade, James Haskell. You know, they were all very loyal servants of the club. And it's sad that a player of that sort of magnitude and, it does leave a club that they've dedicated so much to. And I don't think that they have filled the gaps of those players yet. No, there's certainly like that stardust that we were talking about just hasn't been there in the same amount of uh, quantities since, uh, yeah, for quite a few couple of seasons now. And um, that's sort of something perhaps they need to rediscover a little bit, their identity with their new coach. And uh, try and move things back to the wasps that we all we all know. And I mean, if we look at last season, um, if Tigers hadn't have been so poor, and this isn't to put Tigers down <laughs> more, but if Tigers hadn't have been in that relegation battle and that fantastic game against Newcastle, then wasps would have really been highlighted as mm. how weak they were, and I think they were totally overlooked on their weakness due to how bad Tigers had been. Mm-hmm, yeah. And that's slightly worrying because this season, again, 
they were they were showing signs that they could have been in another relegation battle. Obviously, Saracens are going down, but there hasn't been any oomph since you know the thirteen fourteen season. Yeah, I wonder if um, if Leicester hadn't been down there and it was Wasps fighting against Newcastle, maybe Di Young would have left uh, a little bit earlier than he than he did. I'm I'm not sure. Just one for the one for the you know. I don't know. Want to speculate. Yeah, want to speculate. That's a, that's a good word. Um, but of course, we know that Lee Blackett has been there and he is set to do good things with the club. And they look like they're regrouping slightly and rebuilding. I don't know whether they're rebuilding as much as Gloucester seem to be in recent weeks, but there's hope for them. Yeah, I mean, they shot up the table. Um, yeah, they did. Uh, which is quite phenomenal uh, I know it's quite close but still it was impressive and um, it's like we said earlier so young coach there's plenty of them in the premiership and they're perhaps trying to trying to build uh, again from the from scratch basically in implementing their own uh, methods it's probably a, a brilliant time for a club to get a new coach to get a uh, a new philosophy in because of this Covid break. I mean, it's you know Saracens are already relegated. There might be extra European places to play for, but at the end of the day, they can't really. It's not as if they're staring down the barrel of relegation. They can kind of throw the ball around a little bit more, and it's effectively a second or or a long pre-season uh, in in a sense for Wasps. It is indeed, and they can experiment and they can really try <laughs> and become the club that they want where we talk about sort of we'll look at Tigers in a few weeks but these clubs that have been at the top or were at the top for so long no one likes to see them struggle I mean it doesn't matter who you support to see a club of such high respect sort of lose the way that they are and sort Mm. of not ever getting near filling the Rico Arena, it's upsetting for them. Yeah, it's, you know, the Wasps were renowned for their passionate supporter base. I don't know whether they've had that since they've moved to Coventry. What what would you think about that? I mean, you know, the Rico is uh, still quite an empty stadium in relative terms. It is very empty. And I mean, as a child, I would go to Adams Park and I absolutely loved it. You know, you'd fit every last person in there that you couldn't you couldn't fit anybody else but honestly since they've been at the Rico I think I've been four times yeah um okay that's a lot to do with the location of it but it was tough for them and I know in the first season they were very loyal to their season ticket holders and they put on buses to sort of get them (laughs) up there but that's great for a season but you have to have the results to match that for people to go off their own back. And it, it it's it's hard. I went to their last game of this season against Gloucester and there was just no life and soul in the Rico. And that's really upsetting because there used to be so much noise. and Cowbells. Exactly. And the drums and it used to be fantastic, but it echoes now. And that can't yeah. be nice for the players as well, I think. No, it all sounds relatively like plastic and fake. It's quite harsh. I mean, but it, it does. A, it's a strange stadium to to be in. Um, 
you know, it's, it's probably bigger than what it needs to be for wasps, but I don't know. It's like they're forcing it, and it, it's just not happening. Uh, I guess from in terms of the atmosphere and trying to bring in a crowd, um, it's it sometimes can be over the top, and perhaps perhaps it is. Perhaps they just need to let it happen over time. Hopefully, and hopefully they will let it happen, and eventually things will start clicking. If they replay the debt. <laughs> yeah, that's a big that's a big shout with wasps at the moment. They, Even bigger now. Yeah. I mean, let's just hope rugby continues for the sake of all clubs in England Absolutely. because don't we know it that Premiership rugby needs some money right about now. Yeah, it's we need we need these thirteen clubs to to uh, keep going. So we've got a league and uh, obviously it's tough for a lot of clubs at the minute. Uh, probably Wasps, one of them. Another one, maybe Worcester, Gloucester, uh, even Leicester uh, are struggling. So it's it's an important time for the league. It is indeed. And I know that I saw this week pretty much all the clubs had sort of 70p, 70p, 70% off all their sort of home kits and really trying to push the online shop to get, you know, some more money. Because, of course, they've signed contracts for a new shirt next season. Yeah. That's another thing, but we've only played half a season. <laughs> Which shirt do we play in when you return? <laughs> oh, don't don't tax my brain with that. <laughs> I've already got around who's playing for which club. We'll talk about <laughs> that next week, I'm sure. But that's all we've got time for here on Talking Rugby. I hope you've enjoyed it and we will see you next week. Mm-hmm.